Hi, this is Noel T. Manning II, and you are listening to Cinema Scene on 88.3 WGWG Online, WGWG.org. We have a special guest for this special edition of Cinema Scene, Mr. Mark Isham. And Mark is an incredible composer and performer, a Grammy winner, Oscar nominee, a Henry, uh, Henry Mancini Career Achievement Award winner. Uh, the list goes on and on about what this guy has done over the course of his lifetime. Uh, worked in film, uh, TV, and on his own. Worked with the likes of Robert Redford, uh, Brian De Palma, the legends, uh, Jody Foster, Robert Altman, and so many more. Uh, we're very, very fortunate to have him as a special guest today. Uh, Mark, thank you very much for taking the time to talk to us here on 88.3. Well, it's my great pleasure. Thanks for having me. Mark, you have had an amazing career. And you have been involved in so many aspects of music, for, as I mentioned, from TV to film uh, to collaborative projects to solo projects. Uh, I'd love for our listeners, and, and the reason we've got you on this week is because uh, there's a film, 42, that's being released uh, this weekend. Uh, it's a great time to have you talk a little bit about that film, but also we thought our listeners would uh, would enjoy hearing a little bit about your background, your love of music, and uh, and how you got involved in music. I know that you got involved in music at a young age. Um, could you share a little bit about that? Absolutely. Uh, I was fortunate that I grew up in a musical household. My mother uh, was a professional violinist and is actually still uh, teaching and, and uh, performing occasionally. Uh, and my father was a professor of history and art and an amateur musician as, as well. And so there was music around the house uh, for as long as I can remember. And um, so it was, it was good that I, uh, whether, whether the chicken was before the egg, who knows here, but uh, I ended up wanting to uh, follow in, um, into music myself. Right. And, um, perhaps because of my experience, I could being brought to many orchestral rehearsals um, with my mom, um, I ended up sort of falling in love with the brass section. It was like the, the, the coolest, hippest section in the symphony as right, far as I was right. concerned. Yeah. And wanted to pick up the trumpet at an early age, which I did. And I became a, uh, well, pretty early on, still in my teens, a professional trumpet player playing in uh, classical and, uh, groups. And then, um, but in, in, in my teens as well, I discovered jazz, and I think that was uh, the big turn in the road for me. And very soon after that, I discovered electronic music, which was just beginning to come out of Bill's College and um, start to get known, and pop acts were starting to pick up synthesizers and experiment with them. And those three influences are probably the foundation of my uh, background and interest as a musician. You mentioned uh, that there was something about jazz. What was it about jazz that, that clicked with you that, that said, wow, this is, this is kind of an area I'm really interested in? Well, when I heard jazz, I was already a, an instrumental musician. I was you know, performing and, and playing trumpet. Um, and there was something about the fact that this was, well, I think the groove, the swing. <laughs> okay, okay. So infectious. But, but also just that it was improvised, that it was free, that it was open. This was a brand new concept for me, and, and I was immediately attracted to it. Yeah, the, the, the kind of the, you mentioned that freedom, that kind of innovation to um, experiment, and that uh, almost almost like uh, ad lib in a way. Um, is that the approach that that you would take with jazz? Absolutely. I mean, I, I started off in it more traditionally, from what I you know, from uh, based on my listening experiences, but. 
um, I spent a great deal of my early 20s experimenting uh, a lot with various different groups and various different meeting a lot of different people and learning a lot about what the modern jazz scene was doing. Of course, the uh, jazz was just going electric in, in this period of time as well. And uh, so I, I fell right into that and got very interested in fusion and <clears throat> the fusing not only of electronics and acoustic instruments, but different world musics and all sorts of various um, various different influences. I think Weather Report becoming sort of my main right. mentor in that sense that they could bring world music and classical music, but keep that really open sense of improvisation and that living uh, throughout the, the sound of their music. What, were there other musicians that, that you remember listening to the growing up that, that just maybe they either inspired you or you said, wow, I, I would love to be able to do something like that someday? Well, Miles Davis, of course, was okay. the biggest influence upon me um, as a trumpet player, but also as a conceptualist. I mean, okay. one can look at his path of his lifetime and see that he probably changed the face of jazz at least two, not three or four times with his innovative approaches and uh, and just his whole style of playing. I mean, he, he, he was an innovator in that regard, too, in the 50s, in the late 40s and 50s, and that his whole sort of musical philosophy I found very attractive, and I learned a tremendous amount from him. I feel when I listen to your music that there is a certain voice there. Uh, there there's a certain, you know it's a Mark Isham piece, but what I also notice is there's, there's an innovation there, and there's also this, uh, your music adapts and it changes, and, it, and I don't feel like I'm hearing the very same thing all the time. There are some composers I can listen to, and I, I feel, sometimes I feel like I'm, I'm hearing the very same thing. With you, I don't feel that way, and, and I feel that there are various styles that you're able to do. Well, that's one of the, the things I love about film music, is that I don't see film music... Um, as necessarily a particular genre. I mean, obviously there is sort of the classic orchestral film music genre, but film music as itself can really borrow and, and be influenced greatly by any genre of music. It's a matter of knowing the genre well enough of how to manipulate it to um, have it express the various different emotions that you have to express and the, and the various different uh, travels through different emotions that a, that a storyline will give you. And so, having grown up not just as a classical musician, uh, but also understanding jazz and pop music and electronic music, um, I realized that, that it isn't about learning a genre, it's about learning what the basics of music are. In other words, how do you change the sensation of emotion in the music you are writing and uh, make it somewhat predictable? Right, right. But we are on the phone with Mark Isham. You're listening to Cinema Scene on 88.3 WGWG, talking about music and talking about movies and composing the new film 42. Uh, is out this weekend, a story of Jackie Robinson starring Harrison Ford um, and uh, composed by Mark Isham. Talk uh, about 42 and how uh, you got involved in that project and the approach you took to that project. Well, 42 was a movie that I saw um, coming. In this business, it's very competitive. You have to keep your eye out for movies that are coming up, and if you're interested in them, you have to get in there and sort of fight for them, uh, which I did. And fortunately, the director was aware of my work and, and uh, thought that I would be a very viable candidate. And we met, and, um, and he hired me immediately. So I was very fortunate in that regard that uh, 
that there was a meeting of, of like minds between myself and the director. He, um, Brian Helgeland, who wrote and directed the film, is, is really had done such a wonderful job with this. And by the time he got to the music part of the process, he had tried some temporary, various different temporary music against the picture and had come to some conclusions that he felt um, were correct, and he ran them by me. One of which was the the style of the score should be traditional. A traditional, in other words, in that genre that I referred to earlier, the traditional epic orchestral film genre. What does that make late romantic orchestral music? Right, right. Whatever, whatever, how whatever one might define that genre, but you know, probably brought to its greatest extent to to uh, by John Williams. Um, and and we should just we should score it that way because it, it the music needs to rise above perhaps the story if possible because the story philosophically rises above itself if you will it's obviously it's a story about American culture it's a story about a unique individual it's a story about you know um, what he did to change um, make things better for American society. But it also can rise above that. So it's basically just a story of human rights. Right. I think right. It's a global question, a global problem, and and so to sort of take, make, obviously the the picture has to be accurate to the time and place where it took place, but the music doesn't have to do that. We decided very specifically not to do that. That the music should take take you as far above the. Uh, Specifics and get really into the philosophy and the and the concept of the story. So, how do you, as a composer, go about doing that? What is that process like? Well, once we so, sort of knew that the, I mean, one of the reasons that that genre of film music has evolved is because it can do that. It can rise above specifics in a story and, and talk more about purely the emotion of it. <clears throat> and. So the next question was, well, what does the music do? What specifically? And we decided after some experimenting that the music needs to be basically Jackie. It needs to reflect him, who he is as a core being, um, and remind the audience to sort of be there as representing him in that way, no matter what he's going through, even when it's rough, even when he's standing there covered in dust and on second base. Right. you know, that this is a noble man, a very dignified man, and a very unique and special man. And, um, and so that was the, the job of the music, I think, and um, it was done in, by finding a great theme and, and uh, working out how to uh, expand that theme over the course of the score and film, and um, really the traditional tools and, and tricks of film scoring. Now, you were brought into this uh, particular film, 42, pretty early on in the process. Is it that way for you uh, for every film and every TV show that you're involved in? Well, it can vary, but obviously you don't want to be too far behind the eight ball. Um, I've I've been brought in as early as the the script has just been approved, and I now have to uh, (laughs) cast this film. Yeah. Um, And I've been brought in as late as, you know what? We, we open in, in two months, and uh, wow. we hate the music, and we have to replace it all. Wow, <laughs> wow. So I've, I've seen both sides of that, that scenario, and um, I must 
admit I prefer the former. <laughs> but, um, I can imagine. Yeah, I can imagine <laughs> that. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, you know, it gets done no matter what the what the situation. Right. Right. Well, for uh, for listeners that may not have any clue or any idea how that that process works, as far as uh, you know, how do you visually put those pieces together? Could you explain a little bit of that? Absolutely. Um, I usually start writing as as the picture is being formed by the editor. So after the shooting process, you know, in some pictures I'll visit the set and sort of get a sense of things. But it's I really respond to the the pictures you know, the motion picture itself and the pacing of it and the look of it. And so as the editor is doing their assembly, I, I'll get, um, you know, the rough assembly in the beginning and start forming ideas. On a picture like 42, um, I, I just start very traditionally. I start at the piano with a piece of paper and a pencil. Okay. And just and try to get that theme locked in. And, of course, music has become a very high-tech business these days, so I have a very high-tech studio. And in the case of 42, I took my, after you know, a number of days of writing at the piano, I took my papers in and um, used the computer setups that we have to mock up, well, what will this sound like with an orchestra? And what instruments are going to play this? Is it all in strings? Are we going to use horns? What, what's, what's it going to sound like? And we can get a pretty, pretty accurate representation using uh, computer-generated sounds of what this will sound like. And, of course, that's my first presentation to the director is in that form. You mentioned a couple things. You mentioned uh, piano. Uh, I know that you, of course, uh, you, you grew up with a, with a violin around the house. What other instruments do you play besides uh, the ones that we're familiar with? Well, the only instrument that I'm really trained on is a, that I consider myself a real, you know, a real player is, is the trumpet. Okay. I'm, I'm a sort of a composer pianist. Okay, I got <laughs> you. Most composers can, can noodle. Obviously, there are some composers who are concert pianists, but... I am definitely not that. I I, I play the uh, the piano just to sort of get myself through the compositional process. No, no. Uh, I'm sorry. But I I have a pretty good working knowledge of most uh, instruments. I play the, the saxophones. I can basically play scales on all the wind instruments. I can play scales on all the string instruments. Um, uh, I'm not a really I'm not a guitar player, strangely enough. Okay. Most people of my generation play some guitar, but, right, but right. I don't. No, no. Uh, but I, d- I have spent a lot of time, like, as I said, I, I had a real interest in electronic music from the time I was you know, in my late teens. and So I've been working with electronic music a long time and have a very thorough understanding of all of that. Yeah, that's the other thing I wanted to address is the uh, you have really seen the industry change since you uh, initially got involved in music. And... Uh, what has that process been like for you to kind of see that, not just industry change, but just the fact that we can sit in an office and record stuff uh, with, with a decent computer and decent computer software? How has that changed the way that you approach that process? Well, it allows me um, to, as I, as I mentioned before, to make these very thorough mock-ups right. of very sophisticated, complex music. Uh, I think in the in the uh, early days of film scoring, obviously you you invited the director into your into your 
piano room and said, this is, this is the theme. <laughs> right. I hope you like it. <laughs> okay, all right. Or, and in a month or so, we're going to record this with an orchestra. Right, right. You, there was a lot of faith in that, in that person, and also perhaps a lot of time spent on the recording stage at great expense um, making changes if, if things weren't like, because that would be the first time you'd actually hear the score um, in its final form. In this day and age, we can mock all of that up, and you can do a lot of your homework uh, in an electronic studio before you're spending large sums of money on, on real players and, and performances. Uh, so that's the biggest boon, I think, is that um, you know we have a tremendous uh, control and ability to, to hear things and, and create things. When you first started, what was the process you went through? And, I, and I'm not talking specifically about film scoring, but I'm just talking about recording music. How did you how did you record, and what was that process like uh, for you initially when you first started out? Well, I came up right at the cusp of the new technology. Okay. Uh, I remember when I was a starving <laughs> jazz musician. <laughs> All right. I went down. I, I saved up some money, went down to the pawn shop, and found a, a four-track tape recorder. Yeah. Yeah purchased that and that was uh, you know the pride and, pride and joy of my life at that point right because I could actually do multi-track recording on, on this little um, four track and then when the first uh, electronic music sequencer which was a precursor to computerized music uh, was built I was one of the first in line to, to buy one of those and, and uh, learn how to use those and so I've always wanted other processes other than just the piece of paper and the pencil. I've always thought of tape uh, and electronic um, methods of composition equally valid. And in fact, for many years, I felt more comfortable in, the, in those ways. But um, I, find that I find it varies on the style. You know, like I said, for 42, which is a very traditional, I, I went back to the piano and the piece of paper and the pencil. Right. So I'm working on a thriller now with Jason Statham and James Franco, and, and I'm definitely in front of the computer and all the electronic gadgets and toys for that movie. You, you mentioned style, and, and you have done uh, so many different styles. And this, this question is almost like asking, do you have a favorite child? But do you have a favorite child as far as, as stylistically the, the types of uh, music that you write? Well, not really. I mean, I've, I've had, I think, great... I mean, my score to Crash was all done on a G3 in my, in my, <laughs> in my studio. Wow, wow. Um, and yet 42 was all done at Abbey Road with the London Symphony Orchestra. So, okay. I mean, it, it's a very different experience. Um, Having said that, you know, hearing your music played by the London Symphony Orchestra at Abbey Road Studios is quite a thrill. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and it's, absolutely. it's a little more of a thrill, perhaps, than pressing play on your G3 <laughs> Mac and, and hearing yeah. what you just created by yourself in your absolutely. room. Absolutely. Um, so that part of the process, obviously, when you're writing a big orchestral score, is, is really thrilling. Right, right. But ultimately, when you hear that music in the theater, if you've done your job right, the impact with the film is just as strong either way. Uh, in fact, for Crash, I'd like to think that the choices we made were the best, that even if we'd had the money for a large orchestra, that the choices we made were actually a better choice for that particular film, and that the film is the better for that choice. You know, there's, there's, there's favorite parts of each experience. Right, right. Uh, now, is, to say that. is there a particular genre that you, or, or, uh, that you enjoy more? 
Not really. I think I think that my my problem is if I do you know four action pictures back to back, then I can start to get tired of it. And gotcha. Sort of feeling I'm, I'm I'm not as fresh as I want to be. And so I like to break it up. You know, maybe you know just uh, change genres so that uh, I, I can feel a little fresher. Right. Right. We are on the phone with uh, Mark Isham, uh, an incredible composer and um, and writer, and and he's just he's an amazing guy. We appreciate him taking the time to talk to us here on Cinema Scene uh, Special Edition on 88.3 WGWG online, WGWG.org. We're talking movies. We're talking music. New Film 42 uh, opens this weekend in theaters now, and uh, Mark is the composer for that particular film as well. The, uh, what was the first film that you ever composed? It was Never Cry Wolf, directed by Carol Ballard. Okay, that was, uh, that was a Disney, uh, Disney film, right? It was. Yeah. Okay. Um, and, and how did that job open up for you? Well, that's one of those um, sort of magical experiences. It's very rare, I think, for composers to come right out and do a start on a high-profile Disney movie. But um, Carol Ballard is a unique individual, and he, he had hired um, two different uh, orchestral composers for this film, wonderful composers, but independent guys, guys outside of the Hollywood community. And he was getting some pretty interesting music, but he was not happy, and the studio wasn't very happy. And so he kept, um, for, fortunately for him, he had to reshoot some caribou, and those caribou were only available once a year. So he had to wait a year to go back and reshoot some caribou. Wow. And uh, during that time, he was doing, these other scores were progressing, but he was not happy, and he was listening voraciously to a lot of different music to see what, you know, what it really was that he felt he wanted. And he came across a piece of mine that I had written for electronics and classical Chinese instruments. And I would, I'd written it just to try and uh, do a record project with that, uh, with the fellow that I knew that played these instruments. And um, we unfortunately did not get the record deal, but uh, we distributed the music around, and it fell into the hands uh, really just by... by uh, chance into Carol Ballard's hands, and he heard it, and he said, you know, that's similar to, to what we did in uh, uh, Black Stallion, and, and the person who had played him the music said, well, that's the same flautist that you'd hired in Black Stallion. He said, okay, and so that's why I like it, but what's all that other stuff other than the, <laughs> than the Chinese flute? And that's how I was introduced to him, and wow. he ended up giving me the job. Wow, wow. And, and is it one of those things, once that kind of door opens to something different and something new, you, you start finding other doors open as well? Is that how it happened with film composing for you? It did. It did. I mean, it, it wasn't fast, but, but that movie came out, and a young agent at ICM saw the movie and saw a name he'd never seen before on the credits, and he thought the music was, was pretty good. And he tracked me down and said, I'd like to represent you. Um, and I said... Okay, I'm not sure what that means, but okay. <laughs> and, um, and he went on. It took him about a, um, another year, but he got me another film. And it's, we slowly built it uh, like that. And we worked together for almost 10 years. Wow. So are you on a, is there, um, I mean, I'm, I'm trying to figure out the best way to ask this question. You do, your, you do solo projects, you do uh, TV, you do film. Is it project-to-project based, or do you kind of have things lined up way in advance, like, okay, next year I know I'm working on this, next year I know I've got to work on this? How does that work for you? 
Well, it changes, you know, depending on the business, and you know, the business goes through its ups and downs of how many movie studios are making. And right. There are times, definitely, when I've gotten booked well in advance. I mean, television-wise, you know, unless something radically changes, I see that uh, Once Upon a Time will be into season three. Yes. And yes. We have a spinoff that we're pretty sure is going to go. So I, I can see that uh, my next year in television. Um, is pretty full. Right, uh, right. Film-wise, uh, I've been booked for about six or eight months up until June or so, and then there it's starting to look like there's open space there. So right. my agent and I are now starting to look around and get, get myself booked up. Do, do you have... Film-wise. Do you have a particular preference on whether you do uh, your own kind of projects do film or do tv or, or or is it hey whatever pays the bills well you know there's a number of reasons you, you take anything sometimes it is yeah the school school <laughs> tuition is due yeah yeah um what we call the agent and say what what's who wants me this month <laughs> yeah right <laughs> I, i've right. got bills here i got you um but i try to keep it stuff that's going to inspire me that i know i can do my best work um, I find that in television these days, some of the scripts I've seen coming out of television writers are better than a lot of the scripts I see in written for film. Right. And so I get inspired. I mean, the whole Once Upon a Time and Wonderland. Yeah. And I'm, I'm be doing this project with Frank Darabont for television. And of course, he's one of the best writers we have. Absolutely, absolutely. And, uh, and so I, I find myself working you know, in television quite a bit more than I have in the past just because the quality of those uh, shows is so high. I mean, it's really, really great stuff to be done there. And um, and movies, you know, I think that Hollywood's in an interesting place these days. Everyone wants to do what was successful last month, and I'm not sure you really you get a lot of sort of copycat movies. Right, and, yeah. And those aren't nearly as interesting. Although I saw Oblivion the other night, and it, that's... That's one hell of a movie. Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> well, let me ask you this: What do you uh, What do you like to go see in movies? I like all types of films. Yeah, uh, I'm not a sort of a Hangover Three type guy. Gotcha. I got gotcha. you. All right. <laughs> okay. Okay. Although my kids, of course, are, so I end up. <laughs> end <laughs> Go, up yeah, going to see that as well. Uh, well, I think that that should probably help you as well because the you know you do a various type of films now. Have you Have you done any comedies? I have done some comedies. Okay. Uh, I've been fortunate. I've done some pretty smart comedies. I work with Diane English, who I think is one of the fine, finest writers for that. Are, yeah. are, there, are there particular film composers that you that you like when you go to theaters that, uh, that you're like, wow, that's I, I really like what they did with that? Yeah, I have I have my uh, my fans. I'm always a fan of Tom Newman. I think he's yeah. quite wonderful. Yeah. Um, I like John Powell. I like Alexander uh, Desplat. Yes, yes. There's some really wonderful guys out there writing right now. Yeah. Well, I, I tell you, Mark, I, I do appreciate you taking the time to talk with us. We we are about out of time, and I, I'd, I'd love to spend more time with you, but I really appreciate it. I do want to throw out one one final uh, one final question or two. Uh, what would you like others to gain from your music? Uh, you know, when 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 all is said and done, and and people say the name Mark Isham, and think about your music, what would you hope others would gain from your music? Oh my goodness! One of the reasons I realized that I, that I put up with a lot of the, the uh, travails and, and uh, hectic and problems of being an artist in our society these days is that when I hear a piece of music specifically that impacts me, 
it, it creates an effect upon me, not just the hair on my arm standing up sometimes or just the shortness of breath or whatever the, all those things are that, that just makes you go, oh, my God, you know, there's something in this life that, that can be experienced that can change you, that can make you see things differently, that can make you feel better about life, that can make you just uh, can lift you up, you know. And that happens to me with, with music. And, and film and basically I just want to be a part of doing that I wanted to put something in my music that can make people feel better about life that can give them a moment of, of uh, an experience that perhaps they've never quite had before a sensation they've never quite had before and uh, just contribute to a higher quality of life on the planet if I possibly can in some small way well, Mark, uh, Mark Isham, our guest here on Cinema Scene Extra, we really appreciate you taking the time uh, to talk with us. The movie 42 uh, is out in theaters now, the Jackie Robinson story uh, starring uh, Harrison Ford. It, uh, I'm really excited about, about seeing this film and excited about continuing to follow your work. Thank you guys so much for joining us today. Uh, Mark, do you have any final thoughts or comments you want to share with our listeners? Well, it's been a great pleasure to be here and, and talking to everyone. And, um I, I do recommend 42. I think it's a marvelous film and a, and a great experience for uh, anybody uh, about our society and the betterment of our culture. And, Mark, is there a website, a uh, way people could find out more information about you if they'd like? Yes, yeah, com, And we have uh, pretty much all my current things up there and some fun stuff to look at. Great. Uh, thank you so much for joining us, and thanks for listening to Cinema Scene on 88.3 WGWG online, wgwg.org. Until next week, that's a wrap.